Aloha, faithful viewers. Welcome back to Frivolous Gravitas. And to those new to the channel, welcome forth. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to support the channel and show YouTube what's what with respect to quality content if you like our show. As some of you already know, here on the channel, we mightily enjoy exploring new ideas, not often considered in depth, always with a personal and public government and governance in mind. Um, today is one of those days. I'm Christopher Driver, and with me as usual, my ever-so-charismatic co-host and dynamic Jordan Roy. I'll let Jordan take us through some of the key concepts we'll be covering uh, today concerning the path to citizenship by a military service as a principle or as an idea. So what that entails and how it might be applied in a society uh, and an era such as ours. So with that, we'll let Jordan start us off and give us an idea of the key concepts that's uh, involved in today's discussion. Yeah. So I'm going to be starting uh, with kind of where we've, I've got, uh, I got this from. So, wow, that was a terrible start. Let me just start again. Don't edit this out. I want people to see how awkward it was. <laughs> so, um, I've been hearing in the you know, chatter sphere around the internet and the news and just pundits talking. And every once in a while, I, uh, hear of a concept brought up, um, um, that service guarantees citizenship. This is an interesting little uh, thought experiment, but it does have a few merits and it's worth actually thinking about. Now, we don't have it, so we can talk about it with pretty much impunity without any real um, you know, political baggage that it has at the present time. Um, you know, One party hasn't decided that this is going to be the flag that they're going to carry, so we can do this by, you know, nonpartisanly, which is kind of neat. But it originates from a science fiction author, uh, Robert A. Heinlein, from the book Starship Troopers, which I had just reread. Uh, if you were one of my students, this might be an indication that you might be reading this book again soon. So, well, maybe, maybe not. In the book, essentially what happens is uh, the world is in such a state where it's become unified um, after a global war. And um, it's been made such that everyone has the basic freedoms without, with one caveat. You do not have the right to engage in political activity or you know, vote or run for office unless you have uh, citizenship. So everyone has the main basic rights. It's not like the movie where the world is a uh, military dictatorship run by, you know, um, the sky marshal and, uh, all that. But in the book, you do really only see the military side of the equation. And, um, sorry, what, what does that mean though? Is it just voting or is it actually roll into other things like benefits and social security and medical and stuff like that? Like what's all involved? Um, well, the way he presents it is everyone has this, the, the, the basic Lockean rights. So, you know, you have the right to freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of movement. Um, you have uh, it's essentially um, and then you have the freedom of like there's still police forces, there's still mail, there's still all that stuff to make sure that when, you know, um, someone tries to violate your right to life and you know, by trying to kill you, they get, you know, uh, the the necessary penalties um same with your health um but like to run for city council you'd need uh citizenship yes 
to yeah. do to make any so to make any political decisions you would have to have citizenship um now the way you attain citizenship is the catch so it almost sounds like you know this is why why we we take very seriously and very for granted in our society right now the the right to vote i exercise it um every time i get the chance to but at the same time i also um with that right comes a responsibility to do my homework to actually talk to um my uh you know the city councilors that are up for uh, election uh one came to my door and talked to me and he's probably going to get more likely going to get my vote than the other one who just left a flyer in my mailbox because i was able to talk to him um now we now politics is annoying and it doesn't run into everything which is why um if you don't have citizenship essentially you would be able to just live your life as a matter of course not everything is political but that is a debate for another episode and essentially what it boils down to is a um a fix for the uh corruption in government by forcing those who engage in government to have put their life on the line uh quite literally um to in order to understand the gravity of the enterprise that they are engaged in it's not just you know i'm going to go into politics to make myself look good it you can't have you know instagram congresswomen and stuff like that um because everyone who's in the government has sacrificed um and been tempered to such an extent that they understand the uh it's in they they they've been made to understand the gravity of their actions um by having their own life be put in danger they know the danger of what would happen if they screw up this is obviously a contentious issue because we have um so the question is would this actually work if you if if the people who are able to engage in government are have to put their life on the line and literally have to you know service isn't just you know you put your tour in um and come out and now you um have the full benefit of citizenship and PTSD um and now you can go and uh engage in um the wanton corruption that everyone does now this was written during uh right before the vietnam war and uh which it was pretty evident that the people that were voting for the war weren't the people that were sending their sons to the war and this was happened again this was the case in um most of the wars that uh people were engaging in and you know since the end of world war 2 we have the um social program uh military going out now I'm not really talking about the Canadian military which is small and very specialized and can't really act as a social program um but the American military definitely and you have conscript militaries which are a whole different ball game now the American military was a um conceived as a all volunteer force which um in World War 1 uh became a conscripted force and uh again in World War 2 and the Vietnam War now what happened was 
now the thing is, is that there's a difference between a volunteer soldier and a, and a, Jesus Christ. Okay. You know what? Hold on. Can we just start I'll again? Jordan take us through some key concepts we'll be covering today concerning the path to citizenship via military service as an idea, what that entails and how it might be applied in a society and era such as ours. So with that, we'll let Jordan start us off, maybe by describing the ideas, just generally how, how they might have been presented already in a book, and, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll get into the idea. Uh, let me just get into where I'm coming from, though, because I'm hearing this a lot in um, in a lot of people. Like, a lot of people are talking and bandying this idea about, and I don't... Well, some people know what they're talking about, and but a lot of people are just referencing... Uh, the idea without actually giving it thought. So I think it's very much worth it giving some thought. Um, so on one side, we're, uh, we're looking at the idea of citizen, uh, sorry, I've been saying this so often that I, uh, forgot. So, uh, service guarantees citizenship. It sounds great because it sounded really good in the movie. Um, now the movie I'm referring to is, uh, Starship Troopers, which was a, uh, kind of a bastardization of the book, uh, Starship Troopers by Robert A. Heinlein. And this is not going to be a book review, but Heinlein came up with the idea of, um, you know, says service guarantees citizenship, um, as a way to, uh, hinder the corruption in the economic system um, that we seem to, that they were dealing with in the post-war period. And we're definitely dealing with um, since, um, well, actually it hasn't really stopped. <laughs> so, um, and this is the problem of, you know, cronyism, um, uh, nepotism where it doesn't belong, not against nepotism per se, especially in on like small scale where it's just like, yeah, I need a new landscaper. Let's, yeah, you know what? I know that guy's, I know that guy. I'll hire his kid and he can lift, you know, sod for me. That's not a bad form of nepotism. Like, you know, you're going to trust a guy that who's kidding you. Know, that's fine. But like nepotism's like, well, you know what? I'm going to hire that guy as general. No, no, no. At that level, you need merit. And so this, um, you know, people paying each other off, both parties doing shady things that have nothing to do with the reality of, um, st you know, stuff that's happening on the ground level of society. And um, what Heinlein was trying to do was make sure, as some have put it, that the people in charge have put something on the line in order to, uh, uh, you know, they've, they, 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 they're not just getting benefits from it. They've put a wager in and the wager so they put some skin in the game essentially is what a lot of people are saying and the skin is their own or um you know their family or this or that and what it boils down to is you have a denied the right uh of voting and franchise to those that um haven't put their skin in the game now, this sounds horrific because in our society, we have this um, direct and representative democracy, depending on, you know, which 
scale you look at, if you're looking at, you know, um, civic or municipal governments, is pretty direct. You can go and talk to your, uh, you can go and talk to your school trustee and ask, dude, what are you doing? And then, you know, you give him your vote or something. And that's pretty direct. Um, we can also hold referendums. And, but at the national and provincial or state scale, it's very representative. Um, so essentially the idea then is we want to make sure that the people who are sending or making the decision to go to war are also people who know the horrors of it. They're not just, uh, taking mm. it lightly or making political decisions based on popularity or financial. It's right. supposed to disincentivize that type of behavior. Well, even in not just with war, like in the last year and a half, we've seen both parties make decisions based on how it would benefit their optics for that day, uh, rather than the long-term consequences of this or that. Um, Both parties have dropped the ball. I'm talking about the states, Canada's not doing much better, where you have, um, (laughs) depending on your premier, you get a different flavor of nonsense. uh, (laughs) And it changes based on, you know, day of the week. So, these people are thinking about, like, there's a lot of self-interest. But what we want is enlightened self-interest. Now, that's not a bad thing. Self-interest, when it's geared towards, okay, I'm in a position of power. What can I do to do my job? Uh, Because if I do my job well, I get to keep my position of power. And if I keep doing my job well, then I get seen like you get the, if you do a good job, then people will see you as a good person. It's funny that. And this happens on it. This happens on any level. It's the scope is. So, if you do like, if you put work into you know, drywalling. Well, that's enlightened self-interest. You want the money of the contracts that, you know, people are going to give you because they know you're a good drywaller. Funny that. So, and it benefits everybody because your productivity is higher, your workmanship's higher. Right. So, essentially, we'd get government that makes better decisions if they were required to serve in the military for military decisions, if they were required to serve first. Now, this brings it in. Now you mentioned military service, and I'm not 100% sure that military service is the sole place for it, but we'll get into that. Now, full disclosure Heinlein is an uh, author I grew up with. Um, his juveniles are really good. I definitely recommend reading them. They'll um, thrill you and test you and piss you off and uh, give you. He's an amazing writer. His later stuff is very weird. Um, so, um, go in with a very, very open mind, but like still judge him. He's a, still a guy. So, either way, he was one of my favorite authors because he definitely, when I was a teenager, he made me think um, about concepts that I was never, I wasn't getting anywhere else. And this was definitely one of them. Now, this is one of his uh, more well-known ones because this is definitely one of his more well-known uh, books. So, the book itself is a story about a Filipino soldier and you don't learn that he's Filipino till like the last three pages of the book because it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and you follow him around from um, deciding what to do after high school to um, military service and boot camp to uh, to war to officer training to command. And uh, 
you essentially following him through his um, maturity because he, you know, he joins because a girl's joining and she wants to become a pilot. And he's just like, oh, I'm going to be a pilot too. Sign me up. And the guy at the desk's like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you look like a great pilot candidate. Looks at him and he's just like, maybe you should think about this a bit. So, he's obviously a dumb kid. And the the soldier sees right through him. And he, he joins up anyways, and he has to learn what service and citizenship means. And that takes you along and teaches you what citizen, what Heinlein's idea of citizenship and service mean. Now, not just service and citizenship, but duty and responsibility and these things. Because Heinlein wants you to think about these things, which is, you know, why he's good. He's not going to give you easy answers. He's going to give you a lot of answers that you're not going to like, uh, but he's going to give you a whole bunch of other ones too. So, this concept that he lays out in the book essentially is um, based around uh, um, the idea of um, that we need to maintain the rights of freedom in society and it's not easy because well, as we're seeing right now, the idea of freedom itself is being challenged. You know, you have the Chinese saying, it's just like, oh, it's a decadent philosophy, blah, 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 blah. Don't, oh yeah, don't bother reading Locke, uh, by the way, because, you know, don't want to get you astray. Um, but he sums a lot of it up with this Thomas Paine quote, what we, obtain, what we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. That's Thomas Paine who was, you know, one of the, um, not one of the founding fathers, but one of the um, philosophical driving forces behind the Revolutionary War in America. And so, what essentially is being said is that these things that we have aren't there because they just are. We don't have the right to freedom. Freedom is something that you have to maintain. And um, it's a definite responsibility because freedom is not intuitive to humanity. Um, it's strange to say, but like you, there's a lot of people out there right now who live outside of freedom and seem to be perfectly okay with it. Now, I bring up freedom because that is what you are defending with your citizenship and by putting it into it. And it's worth talking about it. It's and also so, like an organizational structure to preserve the freedom that you've already gained too, right? It's right. a preemptive thing against loss. Yes. So, because there's always, and this, we take this for granted as well. It's like we live in, we live in a peaceful um, world at the moment, but this is not guaranteed um, at all. Um, you have um, countries that had some measure of um wealth and freedom that just kind of gave it up. Um, I don't know, maybe they just like the Belt and Road Initiative and are going for that and uh, decided to put cameras up everywhere. And um, well, we'll see how they do. But I do like my freedom and once I've had it, having been a person who's had it, I understand the, um, the will to keep it. I want to be able to just open up a business and try my luck at the market with a restaurant or an archival business or, you know, tutoring is what I'm doing now without having the government be like, oh, I didn't get my, my, you know, my part of your thing. It's like, well, you're not going to get it because you. <laughs> um, is any part of that also like a way to compensate people who have put their lives on the line? Like, I mean, we don't take care of our, our oh, in Canada, we take care of our vets 
better than we the don't States, know, but we're doing better in the last year. But uh, but I mean, generally we're, speaking, we're terrible at like helping them with housing and business loans and uh, mental health services and uh, no, this opportunities, is, education, all kinds of things. We've been really bad at helping vets with. Actually, this is not just our society. Um, society like historically, veterans have been given short shrift for some strange reason um even after you look at like the battle of waterloo um <clears throat> and after the battle of waterloo all the people at the battle were given this medallion and um most of the soldiers you could find soldiers selling them and on the streets of london years later because they had nothing else they came back oh you are at the glorious battle of waterloo it's like yeah um could could you spare a tuppence <laughs> and there were a lot of beggars who had been at Waterloo, and this is a this was a problem. Like that was two hundred and uh, <clears throat> two hundred and six years ago now, and like, what do you do with the, the the people who make it back? And that's not always been evident, and it's only been recently. Um, say something like the GI Bill, where everyone who comes back from the war gets um, you know a college education. Why? Well. Why not? Let's get those guys working again. Because we learn now, we see that when a soldier comes back and they don't have any guidance, they quickly take to the bottle and then they quickly take to the gun. Um, and then we lose hundreds of thousands of soldiers this way, like ex-soldiers this way, and we're not treating them well. And the thing is, is that we do have treatments for PTSD. We do have psych... Like, if you handle someone and give them time and therapy and um, understanding, then they will improve. Um, and you give them a purpose, um, you can integrate these people back into society uh, instead of just stop-lossing them and uh, sending them back out there. You know, well, you understand how the how the kit works, so we might as well just put you out there, um, give you a promotion and, you know, a signing bonus. And it's, that's a trap. You, you did your service. Like, go enjoy your freedom. Yeah, exactly. Now, that's one of the sides. Um, because one of the things that we also take for granted in our society is that our society is worth defending. It sucks. It's it's frustrating. It's horrible sometimes. It's maddeningly stupid. But it, like Canada at least, I would definitely, like if someone's coming over the hill, I'd be at the recruiting office. I'd be willing to put my life on the line for this if it were in danger. Now, right now, all I'm doing is making sure that the ship is steering the right way because, you know, we're having these conversations. God, I hate saying that. <laughs> but it's <laughs> but true. It's true. We're doing <laughs> that it. That is People the point are... of what we're doing here. Yeah. It's to make the country so, better just by, by virtue of our productions. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if someone has a thought and decides to you know, do something that will benefit the rest of the country. That's their prerogative as a Canadian. Canada is not a country in itself, like say the third Reich or, um, uh, I don't know, Cuba, where the mon the, the, the Leviathan of state a la Hobbes is the state, you know, or like a monarchy where l'état c'est moi, you know, where the king is the state. In our state, the state is every citizen that makes up Canada. And Canada isn't this abstract ideal. It's literally just all the people you put together in this area 
with citizenship, and that's what Canada is. With it all is also their varying different opinions and ideas and all of that. Right. It's not and like a, have a homogenous group or a monolithic ideal. Right. It's disparate. It's, but at the same time, we do have our own strange culture. And yeah, I'm sorry, Canadians do have a distinct culture. And it is, it's kind of endearing. Um, some of it's kind of dumb. Uh, some of it doesn't make any sense, but like any culture, it's ours. We like hockey. Yeah. We, eh? maple syrup. we have a distinct form of talking. We have, uh, definite we tendencies. Tons of meat and we love beer. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we club seals for some reason. <laughs> uh, we have an ongoing rivalry with Denmark and America. Uh, we actually visit our yeah. Arctic. We have tundra buggies and like excursions on snowmobiles and sheep dog or not sheep dog. What do you call them? The Iditarod yeah. race. Well, the other thing we do uh, that's good is that we 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 acknowledge our failures, but don't. Well, we're dwelling on them more, but we we acknowledge them, but we don't dwell on them. So what the, the point is is that Canada is something worth defending as it is. Um, if our flag changes and gets a little hammer and sickle, then I'll probably. Um, change my mind but um or as it is now i think it's there's there's a lot there worth going for and the question is what would you be willing to do to defend it well i don't know it's the soldier's job to defend it well if they're landing in vancouver or st john's you can pick up a rifle and or you know work as a logistics guy or you can start a company which is one of the great things about our society is like my country needs trucks right now. Go on a war footing, build trucks, send them out. And all of a sudden now, instead of like one centralized government having, okay, I'm not going to get into like war economics in a democratic country. Essentially what you can do is you can start instead of the government starting a business saying, we need more grenades, we need more trucks, we need more wheels. You can see what does my country need right now? It needs these trucks. And so you see a need and you go for it, which is why these democrat democracies are deceptively powerful because we don't need to be at a constant state of alert. We can just be in a peaceful economy unless, you know, someone knocks at our door. Um, this is kind of Peterson, Peterson's, not Peterson, um, uh, Pearson's thing, you know, walk softly and carry a big stick. Now, why is it worth putting your life on the line to do this? Now, the thing is, is that we can get ourselves in trouble with our society and the way we've constructed it through the mere mechanism of how we've constructed it. And we do this and we see this all the time when we elect a demagogue, when we elect a pretty boy, when we elect a loudmouth, when uh, we elect a senior citizen who can't form a sentence, <laughs> when we elect people because they're hot and they dance, they have you know sexy dances on New York rooftops uh, or they have a, you know, TikTok or Twitter presence. These aren't reasons to get elected. These are, um, these are popularity contests. And that is a problem. So, and it's also a problem when you got someone like George Bush who did serve, but was like AWOL and didn't show up and was completely incompetent. And you know what I mean? So like, yeah. there's also this, the other side of the, the dirty service where nepotism feeds in like royally. Yeah, like you get someone like well, that's that was that's been a problem since after um, what's his name? Well, even the um, Romans had that problem. <laughs> oh, definitely, the Praetorian Guard was an issue. Um, but you know, 
uh, the, the army deciding who's in charge. That's not a good thing. Army and state have to be separate and the, and the army has to be subordinate to the state period. Um, looking at you, Egypt. <laughs> yeah. Egypt, you used to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did actually. Egypt was doing, I don't know. They, they had that nationalism thing, but at the same time they were trying to, anyway, not worth, not what this episode's about. Now, yeah. the, Oh shit, I've lost my track. So, um, where was I going? What, what, what was it that I just said? <laughs> uh, you, you were talking about, um, the state having to be separate from the military. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. So state having to be separate from the military and subordinate to it. Uh, Sorry, the military having to be subordinate to the state. Let's get that clear. Before that, I was talking about um, idiots getting in charge. Now, a lot of times we say, well, how do we make sure that we don't have idiots in charge? How do we enforce the meritocracy at the levels of government? Well, this is one way to do it. Now, the other, it, the other side of that coin is, well, how do we make sure – now, this is kind of something that everyone brings up all the time and it's in a crass um, way you could say – how do we keep idiots from voting? Well, first of all, um, maybe think about that comment. But at the same time, you have people um, like who don't give a crap. We don't teach civics, so people don't know what they're voting for. That's a huge that's a, issue. That's a huge problem. We're gonna. I, that's kind of one of the last points I want to get to. But um, <clears throat> but um, you have so the on one side. The idea of service guarantee citizenship makes puts makes anyone who wants to have franchise and run for government um, put some skin in the game. But on the other side, it makes you cherish your vote. If you are given something, you don't give a darn about it. If you work for it and earn it, in the book, there's an example of um, you know he gives. Uh, his teacher gives him like a paper that says you won first prize in the hundred meter dash. And he's just, and the teacher's like, do you like that? And he's like, no. And then he says, okay, what place did you get? He got fourth. And he's like, that fourth place feels a lot better than this one first place I gave, gave you, doesn't it? Yeah, generally it would. Anything you work for, you're going to cherish more than something you just kind of are given. That's actually part of the uh, business model of Ikea. They coined the Ikea effect. If they oh, force really? people to build their own furniture, they'll like their furniture more. It's really interesting because <laughs> one thing yeah. I was actually going to bring up is that even if you buy something, like if I can, um, if you buy, like I could have bought a shelf, I had to put up a projector. So, instead of buying a shelf, I went out and bought the wood and the the, the, the siding and the paint and the, and the screws and all that and I made a shelf and then I put it up. I like that shelf. Why? Because like I still put the work into like the money that I use, the value I use to pay for it, but I put the work in to build it myself and now I have a part of myself. I put, I put effort into it and this is the same with a vote. What have you done to earn your vote? Nothing. It's a right. We No, we don't have rights. Like we have the right to stay alive generally that's that's a good one it's not inherent because you know we can die um we have the right to be healthy or at least to try to maintain our health we have the right to just say whatever we want and uh, go wherever we want because we have those abilities now those are based on natural law um in uh in a john locke sense 
do you have a right to vote? No, because the state is an amalgam of human ingenuity. And a democracy is a abstract notion built by humanity. God didn't make democracies. Um, but it does tend to work better generally for the way that God or nature or natural law built us or the logos or whatever. So it's. Can I ask Sorry. you then what counts as service? Because you keep mentioning yeah. that there should be some type of service involved to acquire <clears throat> or um, to earn your citizenship. So what types of things would count towards that? Because obviously there'd be some things more risky than other right. things. So Heinlein, Heinlein lays it out in the book that um, you have to put your life on the line in some way. Like you literally have to put yourself in a position where your life in, is in danger in some capacity. So, this doesn't mean you have to volunteer for frontline duty. We don't have enough frontline infantry positions in Canada or a need for them. So, one of the things he s says is that, you know, it, it has to be military service in the book. Now, everyone outside of the military uh, gets to live free as we do here. You just can't run for office and you can't vote. Oh no, you have to work for a company. Oh no, you have to start a business. Oh no, you have the freedom of speech. You have everything you have. You just literally, the only other thing is that you can't vote. Um, what about like really police officers and stuff like that? Sorry, um, I hate to be splitting hairs, but I'm just trying to understand what the... Yeah. the so, police officers, he lays out as a, um, it's kind of a privileged position. You get that after you leave firefighters and stuff like that. He actually denies the right to merchant marines, uh, which I thought was a neat little point in the book. It's like only a sentence. That is a neat point. <laughs> um, because they don't necessarily have enough sacrifice and it demands sacrifice. And the training that they run them through isn't some like, you know, kids first boot camp because the military is set up so that everyone works and everyone fights. And this is a very different thing than what our modern military do. So, um, so you're saying like firefighters, police officers, doctors, they don't get citizenship? No, I do want to bring that up a bit later. So, oh. yeah, because I do, because uh, one of the things I want to get into. So, the first thing I want to get into is that um, it has to be volunteer. You can't have a conscription. No conscription, period. Um, and cause it has to be, if you're going to make, if you're going to live as a free decision and you're going to give up that freedom to attain citizenship, uh, and put in a tour or a term of service, um, you have to do so freely. In fact, they make it hard to get in. So you have to, you know, um, kind of the same way where you have, um, mendicants in Asia where, um, you have to stand outside for three days to prove that you want to do this, that kind of thing. Um, which I always thought was neat. And he also shows up in something like Fight Club where, you know, um, if you want to join Operation Mayhem or Fight Club, you have to stand outside that shack of a building, uh, for three days just in that same way, referencing that. It sounds like something from Sun Tzu. <laughs> yeah. But it's very much, a reflection of the culture that's doing it. Now, a society that has conscription or a slave army um, like um, like China or North Korea 
or has um, a, a necessary service like, say, well, a lot of European countries do and Russia. Yeah, especially um, the it, Baltics. Yeah, they there is an element of um, – there's an element of – necessity there and there's also an element of you know um this actual idea in there you know everyone has to put their time in whether or not but it doesn't have anything to do with citizenship or putting your skin in the game it's just we need manpower well force everyone to serve that's kind of that's kind of it's not i have a uh, negative feelings about that <laughs> so when you go in and you make a conscious decision to put your life on the line. And this is a hard decision. And we, a lot of people would, um, would balk at that. So you have to do it out of your own free will because you know what you're getting into. You know what you're signing up for. You can't trick your citizens into being like, haha, you came in. Now here's the worst thing ever. No, no. You have to know full well that you could die at any point in training, in battle in maintenance, in random stuff, um, so that when you get out, you understand it. Now, what is interesting is that um, the, ch the difference between being forced to put your life in the line and the choice to put your life in the line changes how you approach, I guess, everything um, for a a each individual. And... Um, it makes it so that you're actually paying for it. You know, you're not being forced. If I, you know, if, um, um, I know I can't think of an example at the point present time, but, um, you have to make sure you know what you want because, you know, is franchise worth your life? You have opportunities. Say you grow up and you have opportunity to, you know, your family has a business and you go to business school and then you, um, and then, you see the opportunity to, you know, carry the family business forward. Why would you need citizenship? Um, why would you need um, franchise? You can still talk about politics and you can still lobby the government. Why not? But you can't vote. Now, that doesn't mean everyone that's coming out of the military is going to be siloed into one thing. And that's actually one of the drawbacks to this, which we can get into later. But by Forcing everyone to make the conscious choice to do it, it makes it, um, the, it, it's actually you putting your chips on the table. Um, and rather than the country taking your chips and saying, look at the sacrifice you're making. Very thanks. Handshake. Move along. And this changes what it is. Is there a portion yeah. of like patriotism to that too? Like, do they encourage citizenship just to say, like, you know, you should be a proud Canadian? join the army like the the way they do now yeah um honestly that was one of the best military recruitment videos i've ever seen the strong crowd <laughs> i was just like oh boy i want to join oh wait no i can't <laughs> but uh and like it's, it, compare it to like the american ones that are coming out saying i'm a mother and you know blah 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 blah. look, look how much me. money you can make <laughs> it's like no appeal to my responsibility and you'll get me um make it look hard is that but, part of the value to the citizenship or do they push the value of yeah. the citizenship as just the, the political engagement? Well, it's, it is that, but at the same time, it is a, there is an element of patriotism. Now, patriotism is a dirty word now because we are nice and cynical and we all don't like, you know, 
highfalutin concepts that have, you know, this and that. But like, there's patriotism and there's American patriotism. Let's be clear. Or like, there, there, not just well, America, but the- well, I can be patriotic. Like, you can like America. You can like what America stands for, but that doesn't mean you like everything it does. That doesn't mean it's like, wow, you know what? I really like what America stands for, which is why I've got my lawyer and my briefcase and my suit, and I'm going to go hold them to account for everything that they're doing wrong. It's like, well, you must hate America because you're challenging the government. It's like, no. No, that means you love America. I love America so much that I'm going to make these guys, uh, I'm going to give these guys ulcers by arguing incessantly about what I believe the direction of the government should go. And yeah. this, the, the dirty part of patriotism, though, is like whitewashing black history or like trying to change and overthrow foreign governments so that they look more like you or trying to like, you know, impose yourself upon other countries. That's not patriotism to me. That's imperialism. Yeah. That's it's often it, confused. So which is why bad. you need the patriotism t- as a check. It's like, no, 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 this isn't the Canada I signed up for. Like, and you can go and say that, like, I'm patriotic towards the Canada. I'm trying to make it and like, so you have like, it's also like the idea of the self. You have a better you that you want to become in the future. So you're going to work willing to work for it. You, and if you love yourself, you can actually work towards that. If you hate yourself, well, you probably need a psychologist and so, some medication or something. But like you, if you love yourself, if you love yourself, you know, self patriotism, uh, you're going to go for a jog every once in a while. You're probably going to try and eat right, even though it's like, oh, no, that's hard. I wouldn't put my myself through anything bad. It's like, no, you you have a stake in how you are. And so, going for a jog might actually, even though it hurts and it seems like it's bad, go do it. And this is kind of the same thing I have for um, the idea of my country. But one of the things that he lays out in the book is that um, not everyone actually wants it. Um, now, you see people who are vehemently apolitical. They don't care and they actively don't care. And I've met people like this and it's okay. They're like, I don't really like, I'm just doing my job. I'm just going thing. I don't, I don't really need a stake in this. That's all right. There are people like that, but um, there's other people who don't, who actively don't care. So, there's one part in the book where um, his dad he tells his dad that he's you know joined the military or something and uh here it is uh so we are a proud family so his dad's talking to his kid the only thing we lacked was citizenship and father regarded that as no real honor a vain and useless thing but if i were flogged well he'd probably have a stroke so he screwed up and he got you know uh corporal punishment for um he had disobeyed orders at some point um which seemed minor but um this military they work by different rules you don't have freedom in the military um and this one sentence and a couple other exchanges in the book go and show that not everyone like it's like i'm running a business i don't need to be hampered down by ideas of politics and citizenship i'm like as long as they leave me alone and let me run my business i'm fine um and this is one that this is an attitude that nowadays would seem um like why would you not pay attention to politics bubble like they pay attention to politics they just don't feel the need to you know go and do that that or you feel it's dangerous it's not for you not everyone needs to be um a defender on the wall um that's not how society works uh (laughs) 
like we need that diversity not everyone needs to be um a defender um or um a warrior and we don't actually know if that would be the um result if you know we did institute a system like this if that would actually be the result of um how people's actions or opinions of it would be um because we can know but at the same time um the pentagon announced that there was like ufos and everyone's just like cool anyway moving on with my life so don't underestimate the apathy of the populace uh and don't underestimate their intention to like misdirect your attention. <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, it, it's a complicated thing. So now one thing that this does rely on is in the book, they have, um, set up the fact that, um, it's very heavily dependent on people knowing what they're getting into so there is civics classes in high school kind of thing and there are um there's a lot of socratic training on like what the heck are we here for why do we fight um that kind of thing and there is some what nowadays would be called sexism because you know children and women are worth defending um now they are but women can now serve and uh they do in the book um but you know, he's got a point where, you know, anybody who sees a, um, thinks of the enemy and thinks of children understands the necessity to protect, uh, those that cannot protect themselves in society. That's all you need to look towards, which to some extent makes sense. Like if I have children, I wouldn't want harm to come to them. I'm willing to defend, you know, my potential children or other people's children, uh, because they are, important and it's not good to leave people um who cannot help themselves yet uh undefended we need to protect them but that means that some people have to do things that are gosh darn hard um and there need to be hard in such a way that they don't um come back and think that they're like hot shit or Praetorians or, um, or, uh, no better or anything else. So there's a lot of humility involved and this is done through the use of a civics class, um, run by veterans. So it has to be taught by veterans. So, you know, somebody who understands the sacrifice, somebody who understands what they were defending. Um, think of soldiers coming back saying, it's just like, man, it was bad over there, but I'm glad we were there. And telling everybody what was going on you know if this would have happened in the iraq war it might have been handled better if everyone knew what was going on over there properly if we have veterans coming back here's what i saw here's kind of what we need to do, have a conversation about it instead of just like move forward without with you know nonsensical policy that doesn't make any sense like any soldier that comes back from afghanistan or iraq tells you it's like those people needed us but like we're getting garbage orders from the top brass so are you suggesting that transparency is sort of a key element to this type of system or it's just um, your idea of the better way of going about it to some extent yes um you know not like 
needless transparency like oh yeah just go on google and find our nuclear codes but no, like but stuff like Al- abu Ghraib prison and you know the helicopter chopper that's shooting everybody down like those videos should be public right oh yeah definitely you and um but at the same time you have people before they even decide before they can even decide to join up they have to go through a civics course where they have to think about at least think about what it would mean to put themselves on the line to actually engage in such a conflict and then um when they get out and they see a conflict was stupid and they get in oh, i have the right to vote now now i'm uh nipping at the politicians heels who made bad decisions and guess what we're not doing it like that again and i almost think that this is what almost needs to happen in present day uh, america where the uh the veterans need to stand up and be like what the heck were we doing there uh and we might see that in the next couple of years where um people who have that experience step up and um demand um better uh better wars uh, which is kind of stupid thing to say but like it's a there's a thing it though i think because like a better war would be one that's worthwhile and given the atrocity of war a worthwhile war would have to be really really important (laughs) well people forget and i say this all the time in war people die and i don't think people understand that they're so like i live a pretty comfy life uh but I think that um, I've had enough trouble that I understand uh, how I got here. And I think if we were to think about the risk analysis as a society more often, how many sons and daughters are you willing to lose for this? How many sons and daughters are you willing to um, sacrifice to uh, rid ourselves of this evil? Is this evil something we should even be engaging um can we take it out with a special forces team and you know in one night and uh you know lose maybe one or two sons or daughters and deal with it that way or can we just isolationism it but like there are evils out there you know i don't think we can argue that we shouldn't have been fighting the nazis like well it's just a war of imperialism it's like they were killing people in camps um on it was mass. pretty yeah yeah it was pretty justified <laughs> I, I and that and, would have uh, only spread it would have gotten worse and worse and worse mm-hmm. and that it's like oh well what's our world war ii now it's like maybe we don't need a world war ii maybe we should just stay ready in case we have to do it you know you um you you work yourself to make sure you can handle the bad things when they happen. So you can be enjoying pizza and movies and whatnot, but you one day you're going to call and it's going to be, um, Hey, your dad's dead. How are you going to handle that? Now, what happens if as a country you're going off, you're having, you know, your hockey games and your Stanley cups, uh, and you're, you know, you're having your little, um, Canada day parties. And all of a sudden someone says, St. John's just got wiped off the map. What do we do as a society? (laughs) We can go mad uh, or we can think about it and debate and aim properly. And that is something that needs to be thought of because we just because we won World War II doesn't mean we have 
you know, peace forever. And that's been evident in the actions in the last six years. Now, in comparison, we've just had bush wars, which has kind of been nice uh, in comparison. But it doesn't take war off the table. And we have to realize that. And I feel like I'm, you know, I'm being people are shutting me down, being like, oh no, war is only a result of um bad linguistic policies. Uh, because, you know, you have um languages that reinforce uh white imperialism and, you know, neoliberal hegemony. It's like, what the heck did you just say? Uh, <laughs> It doesn't make sense. No, those are people that are killing other people. Like, why are we deal? Why are we putting up with the Chinese uh, doing that thing with their camps? Well, it's 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 complicated. And we do need to think about it, and we do need to think about it as a free people, which means we need to debate it, and we can do that in a democracy. We don't. We're not just reliant on one guy at the top being, um, well, here's what I think we should do, but if he's wrong. He's wrong, which is why we have a parliament. <laughs> so, are you Senate. suggesting this type of path to citizenship would it help us more clearly aim when we do come up with these types of situations? Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, and that's a that's a good question because we are putting our future leaders in on the line, and we're putting our future literally on the line because you know. If, if, if we have a stupid war and we make a stupid decision, then we sacrifice them for nothing. And, um, and the trauma is like an aftershock. It'll affect us for like it reverberates through time with mm -hmm. parents who lose children and kids who lose parents and wives well, who lose husbands and vice versa. And the people that come back are the ones that are going to be running. They're going to have seen what's there and be like, that was stupid. I'm running for office and I'm going to not put us in that situation. We learned our lesson. We're going to learn our lessons. We're going to make mistakes. Oh boy, do we make mistakes. We make some good ones and we know about them because we have, you know, the internet and all this stuff. And it's harder to fool the public nowadays. But isn't it's, the it's, danger in that having somebody who's shell-shocked as the person making the decision about going to war or not? Like I get it with somebody who's perfectly stable of mind and has experienced it and comes back from war, but like when you when you um, selectively say that people in politics must have been servicemen and servicemen are by and large, I, I don't want to say they're all one way or another. I'm saying they're more likely to have sustained some psychological trauma. Um, they might not actually, be in the best position to lead the country. That's actually my – now, there's, there's a bunch of critiques of this that are valid, but I think that's actually one of my um, – one of my uh the biggest ones I oh think i'm jumping the gun again no 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 it's oh. <laughs> a good place to go um because i was kind of laboring my point i think a bit but um one of, it would require a robust um psychological infrastructure um and support for the people coming out um now there's always going to be those that don't make it um but who's to say that they wouldn't have made it in civilian life? We, you're not, you're not guaranteed the outcome in your life, no matter what. And so you might as well ante it up in the best place. Um, you start a business, you're, you're not guaranteed to make it. I'm sorry. Even if you, if you go on those, those, uh, those people that provide nothing in finance, they aren't guaranteed to make billions of bucks anyways, even though they 
look like they're always making billions of bucks. Um, but you know, you have a kid, you're almost, you're gambling really hard when you're having kids. So you're always this, but you need, you can't have perfect outcomes, but you can support those as best as you can. And this is kind of comes back to this veteran support thing that do engage in this. Um, these people that are hardened to a point where it's almost, um, a detriment to them can be brought back, softened up a little, patted on the back, listened to instead of just, you know, spat on because you don't like some, a decision that he had nothing to do with, uh, in a war that he really didn't really think too hard about, like, uh, like spit on the politicians, but like those people, if you want them to become, come back and be valuable citizens, they need support. And, um, we need to understand what's happened to them. And this doesn't just go for soldiers. I, this is kind of a call to action that, um, me and my wife tend to be is that we do need more psychological support for, you know, veterans, obviously, but you know, here, but all the people that have kind of been lost in society and there's always going to be people that you know through some through their own you know bitter machinations have connived themselves into a deep corner of hell in society um and they like some definitely are beyond help but that doesn't mean we can't try and the more that we help and do bring back up the better we are going to be as a society and that goes for our soldiers right now um, and we're getting better at it. You know, a hundred years ago, shell shock was a myth. And then it happened on such a large scale that they psychologists had to be like, okay, this is not a myth. Something's happening to these guys. At the same um, time, they believe hysteria is a female condition. <laughs> They're also yeah. thinking that like PTSD is a myth when there's evidence of it. Well, it's and funny what they chose to believe in. And then by World War II, they were doing analyses on like, well, how long does it take for a soldier to burn out? And um, if you read... Um, Ambrose's work, the guy who wrote Band of Brothers, he's kind of references this um, in, uh, I think it's Citizen Soldiers, which is a really good book, um, where he essentially, um, they find out that like the shelf life of a useful soldier is about 90 days in combat, which is why we have tours of duty now and which we have, why we rotate soldiers now, because after a while, a soldier is actually a detriment um, doesn't matter how good he is. If you, after about 90 days on average, a soldier just becomes, um, less use, uh, and more of a danger to everyone around him. And then, you know, you get the personal dangers like alcoholism, suicide, um, a, you know, goes home and it just abuses people or they just break down. Yeah, or this, disruptions in the camp or something too. Like right. morale changes a lot. Or like, you know, somebody who two weeks earlier would have been able to, they're coming, you know, they just like, they're, they're a good soldier. They reload, start firing and, you know, covering their troops, advancing on their flank or something. But then, you know, the next week, it's just too much. And they, the, 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 they just sit there or they just start crying or they crumple up and, um, they're done. You can't, there's nothing you can do with that. That person has to become a civilian now. Um, because but that person's going to get citizenship and that person's going to be part of a small pool of people who are capable of running a country. Right. Now, a lot of these people after World War II, I don't know, go watch Band of Brothers, uh, but um, what 
ended up becoming valuable citizens because they had support. They, you know, they had a family, they had things that they could go to. And a lot of people didn't and they fell through the cracks. You get a lot of um, Vietnam vets who just wandered off into the wilderness, which is their right. Um, but we weren't giving them support and they, a lot of people killed themselves and we're still finding this even in a, um, in a relatively minor war, like the ones that um, Canada and America have been engaged in recently. Oh, that's going to get me a lot of trouble, <laughs> but they are relatively minor. Um, yeah. With respect to like the Peloponnesian war and like, well, yeah, if you know, an entire country mobilizes itself against you and yeah. it's like, Oh boy, we better form up phalanx. It is relatively minor and when you're talking about one or 2000 or 5,000 casualties versus hundreds of thousands. Yeah. That now, in that goes to show how much more peaceful world we live in. Generally, the world does suck, but humans suck. So we're doing the best we can. Uh, but at the same time, that also goes to show the um, professionalism and capability of our our soldiers in this uh, Western world. Well, um, we feed them really well. We pay them really good. We um, we give them meaning, duty, honor. Um, privilege, um, and then we throw them out. <laughs> so, a lot of this, so the other thing is that um, in the book generally, if someone shows these things, they wash them out. Um, they'll throw them out. So, at any point, if you decide, so they, you know, they they literally drop into a pod in a suit that's like hundreds of thousands of pounds or something it's 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 a metal suit essentially the whole idea of the mobile infantry is that you are in this giant iron man suit that's like a tank mixed with a gundam or something um so at any point you can just say nope i'm out did not complete your term of service discharged honorably because you get to decide where you go but at the same time like I, i'm just saying this over and over and over again we had, we need to support them. Now, if you're voting for somebody and you don't think they're mentally capable, you don't vote for them. Well, that doesn't really show well with the last two elections in America, three, four elections. But <laughs> the idea is that we all do have a democracy. And if someone's showing, you know, a psychologist says, yeah, I examined him and he's, he's not okay yet. So, you know, I don't vote, really see he... that working. And I guess that's more criticism of the implementation, not really the idea. But like I, mm -hmm. I Trump's got a doctor who said he was fit. Like yeah. anybody can get a doctor's approved. And also mental illness is notoriously hard to diagnose, even if you're seeking help. Like if you're voluntarily telling somebody who's professional psychologist, I have a problem. Even then it's hard to diagnose. So right. Like having the people the only people allowed to govern might not be the best people in a position to govern. Like they might not be the best characters for government being right. people who's who, and I'm not saying all servicemen can't or this or that. I'm saying like, once you restrict a population to only service people can, uh, can apply for, for social office. Right. So public office, sorry. It would it, it is that is that is that's why I said this is probably the biggest weak point. Um can you get into like the strongest argument for it then rather than just the books? Just so we get an idea of what actually Well, the strongest argument is that um 
This is a situation where these people have been forced to learn command or responsibility. Uh, they don't take it for granted. And um, one of the things is that this kind of cuts out on um, heredity. So right now in Canada, we have a prime minister who is kind of riding on the coat heels of our previous prime minister, his father. And we had, you had the same thing in America with Bushes and you had like the Clintons do the same thing. And it's like one of the reasons that we have the democracy set up is that so we don't have dynasties. Dynasties don't work. Um, uh, ancient China has a lot to talk about with that. Uh, so does Rome. And, and Japan. <laughs> yeah. And um, that's one of the things. Now, but wouldn't you, you get like a general whose son also became like a lieutenant or something? Like you would still right, have that same risk. I what's think. to say that the sergeant sees a kid's general and was like, I don't care. You're not soldier material. <laughs> like you can't turn someone away, but they can easily not make it through. Uh, they can leave on their own accord. They can get washed out. There's no guarantee that they're going to get through their service. Um, you know, discharge some way and like, I'll go do something else. Screw this. It's not like I'm, I, I, I don't want to do this. I don't need it that bad. Um, it's too hard. I'm not willing to do this. And so you have, you're more likely to get people from all walks. You know, if you're poor and you want social advancement, you have nothing, your family's got nothing. You're, you know, you've just got the rags on your thing. You're like, this seems like a good place to start make me a man <laughs> and then you walk up and they're like no and they're like but no this is what i want and they're like okay fine and you get in and then you learn command you learn how to deal with people you learn how to properly uh engage respectfully with your superiors and your inferiors and when you leave you are not that beggar that you were you are a full adult human person and you're not just a guy who had enough money to run for president. You're not just a, uh, you're not just, well, this is what our family does or, you know, name, rec name recognition wouldn't matter as much because it's just like, oh yeah, that's the son of the thing of that last guy that we had. Not voting for him because that wouldn't matter as much. Can I ask you then, like, does this system necessarily entail that people have to be, um, have to sign up for public service to run and to vote? Like, could you separate that? Maybe only the right to vote needs to be, or does it come hand in hand with it? Cause like, I guess the, I, the, the problem I have with it is if everybody who signs up and completes training gets the right to vote, mm -hmm. you could basically get a lobby group that gets people to sign up for the military and pays them tons of money and basically buys their votes like right. it, it wouldn't again fix the same problem we already have with corporate finance in in elections we, well even in our system creating an avenue for corruption to in in this corruption yeah so there's one you have this crony group where everyone's who's gone through a thing but anyone can join though and they can't turn you away if you're earnest in joining so um honestly we should have laws in our system to limit the influence of lobby money in in uh in politics like it's 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 ridiculous it's been ridiculous for decades it's not it, like this isn't a new problem <laughs> um and we have technologies and the will 
and like we understand that like there's a problem there and it wouldn't actually take much thought it would take a lot of hard thought but it wouldn't like we don't need to think about it for 50 years but with um, coordinated voting you, you're you like make okay if instead of everybody such a guild <laughs> sorry you would have you could make it illegal to have such a guild like why not yeah, yeah, you could make it illegal, but you'd never know if people are making the backroom deals. And the problem that I'm sort of bringing up is it's when when you spread it out across an entire population, it's less mm -hmm. devastating than if you have a small group of people allowed to vote and you get a small chunk of that small group, you have way more power. Right. It, well, this will be offset as it is in our society by the media, um, which is not doing its job lately. Um, <laughs> but no, population right. spreads so, it out because you can't support that many people to influence right. that many votes. Now, the idea is also um, generally like governments getting... Like if you only had 20,000 people voting, 5,000 people makes mm -hmm. a huge difference in the vote now, outcome. This, this idea would be like, you know, in America, there's three, like 400,000. Oh, no, there's 400 million people. So like, it's not just voting for the the uh the president or whatever you're voting for everything and so there's a there would be a substantial portion of the population um in this group of um franchised people but i think I the think other thing only be a couple hundred thousand because not that many people serve right well one of the things that i found interesting when i was studying history was that ancient rome had um a smaller government structure than you know the province of manitoba did there's more people governing Manitoba than we're governing the entire Roman Empire <laughs> at any time, uh, which like we don't need the government for everything. And I think that's kind of one of the places Heinlein's coming from. Now, the other thing is that would be offsetting this is that service would be hard, period. And like, not just like, oh, it was difficult because oh, I've never run before. It's like, no, no. The hard that people don't encounter very much anymore. Um, that, uh, I haven't slept for a week and now I have to go for a run hard, um, that it's time to do math hard. Well, what do you mean it's time to do math? I haven't slept in a week and I just did a run time to do math. And you get out of this with, you know, a lot of self-respect, but it makes it so that you have to prove your merit to even get the thing. So it enforces the merit from above and below by testing people in the most rigorous fashion um and not just physically you have to you know you do have to do math <laughs> and a lot of it um but at the same time um like what happens if like we don't need that many soldiers right now um so you know we got to find a place for them okay well i don't know like well, how do you find that many um, jobs where we oh, need so to. Oh, so easy. You just build housing. <laughs> well, you've not got homeless jobs. or poor people just start building houses. Well, not that, but like, how do you find jobs for people that put their lives in danger? <laughs> like, have them build okay. houses and hospitals and schools and libraries. There's tons of manual labor to do. <laughs> right, but that doesn't kill people very often. But you don't need to. You still got that hard difficult pride they're educating themselves in the process they'll come out Why? with jobs that they can do 
Right. So, and why don't you let the free people of, you know, the, the, like if the government came and I'm a, I'm not a non-citizen, they come and say, oh, the military is going to start building buildings. And you're like, no, they're not. Um, <laughs> you're cutting into my business off <laughs> yeah but there is no uh, I, business for affordable housing that's why there is no affordable housing because the business yeah. is in luxury housing and they just yeah. build bigger and more expensive homes i'm living in a two-bedroom house and i love it because it's super tiny and i have a yard i don't need this lavish luxury home and i hate that they're not building these anymore <laughs> but um, even when we were kids you used to be able to come out of you drop out of high school save up for two years and buy a house you, you right. can't do that now anywhere in north america is is impossible right but that doesn't test people you know i can you can teach someone how to build a house but at the same time but standing on the uh, roof in the sun and swinging a hammer all day and lugging wood and, like that. And if you're a capitalist and you can't figure out how to profit off of building small houses, you're not a very smart capitalist. Well, no, it's like, not that they can't do it. It's that there's more money in building bigger houses. So they don't do it. That right. You'd be stupid to take the option that makes you less money for the same work. <laughs> yeah. I'm still of the opinion that Ford was right and Edison was right. If we make it cheap, we can sell it to everybody. And I think we're forgetting that lesson. But right it's now. the land. We don't make the land. We can't afford the land to give to people. So if the government, yeah. I'm just saying, as hypothetically, if we had to give jobs because people signed up for military service and there was no wars going on, there's tons of things they could do. They could dig dikes and ditches and pump water, mm -hmm. and they could run health. Right. They could do that, but they wouldn't because that would not provide them. Like they wouldn't be like. First of all. You can employ citizen non-citizens for that who need that work too, and like because there's going to be non-citizens who need that that effort. But at the same time, like if it's and you don't need to put non-citizens' lives in danger. So if you have something like you know um, asteroid redirection or something, or uh, you know it's in space, so like let's we can we can think beyond the atmosphere here. Um, uh, I don't know, like you could do like construction but the thing is is that it needs to be hard and it needs to be life-threatening so if there's chance of combat then there's a chance you could die and then you need to take that into account and then you know, all the friends and account that, that you have into account so that's one of the things that even in the modern military um in canada it seems like there's no it's like we have this army that's just kind of sitting there being like there is nothing for us to do right now uh, we can put us to work, but and I know I know you're gonna say make the argument that you just made, but like, um, in the end, we should be trying to use them as a military. <laughs> um, I disagree like, with that vehemently. <laughs> we should not want to have to use them. They should just be there just in case, like you said. Oh no, yes, but like we should exactly, but like uh, at the same time, um, we should let construction companies do construction. Like, yeah, we I, I'm all for, I'm for all for SAR and, you know, I never stuff. once said to stop them though. What I'm saying mm -hmm. is if there's no work to do, there's always infrastructure to do. There's always something you can do to make the next generation have more, more roads to walk on. Let yeah. the businesses do all their thing first and pick up whatever the businesses don't want to do. The stuff that's right. unaffordable, like libraries, there's no money in building a library. No. And I'm actually thinking of having a, topic where i argue that libraries are obsolete sad I'm, I'm i don't like it but i think libraries need to evolve as a topic for another day mm -hmm. but moving on 
But the reason why I bring it to the service thing is because like if if you have to if you have to force people to risk their lives in order to earn a vote, you're going to have such a small pool of people voting. Right. That to me sounds really hard. One of the things that uh, informs this really well is that Heinlein was what we would call nowadays a libertarian. Um, Not fascist. (laughs) No, he's not a fascist at all. he, I know everyone's like, oh, it's a fascist book. It's about fascism. But like, it's the, he, he presents it. It seems fascist because you only really do get the military perspective. And it does kind of give, um, good. It doesn't, you, you see the civilian world, but you don't really get to live in it in the book. And so essentially the military is there solely to protect the freedoms of the, the citizens. And, um, you know, the non-citizens, just the people that are free. So everyone else gets to live a free life except the military, which happens in our society. Um, you do lose freedoms when you join, um, the regular force. Uh, but, um, and that does lead someone to believe that he's a fascist. Now, just because a country has a military doesn't make it fascist. I can hear all of you arguing against that. It's like, no, force is inherently bad. It's like, yeah, and people are willing to use it against you without thought. So, you know, think about it. <laughs> but the, um, I'm not going to name enemies. I'm not, I don't even want to get political here, but essentially it's a mechanism that just lets civilians be civilians as hard as possible without as without uh, with as little intervention as possible and that's it sounds like you know um because like uh libertarians right now in the states are just the most annoying people on the planet uh on the flip uh, side to me though it sounds more like a consolidation of power it sounds like a small group of people are going to be over overruling a huge group of people like that's the opposite of democracy in my opinion Right. So one of the things is that he didn't actually see society's um, political faction, I guess, as all that um, necessary to the functioning of society. Just let everyone be free and make and have one entity. So that the go- the purpose of the government to Heinlein was just to make sure that you know buggos don't come in from outer space and chop everyone to bits because that would pretty that that would curtail their freedoms pretty hard um so um the barbarians at the gates need to be kept on the other side of the gate assuming there's barbarians though right like well in the book there's bugs on an imminent threat of extermination (laughs) right which is why we have a revert reserve force of people that don't need to constantly be in the military so we can be like i guess what we're being attacked now and you're like, yep, that's what I'm on the reserve force for. It's the same thing with a volunteer firefighter program. It's like, you know, fire is something that people need to fight. Um, not campfires. Don't fight campfires. They're perfectly fine. <laughs> um, marshmallow rights. But um, there are some firefighters in the army too, aren't there? Like all those forest fire guards. Yeah. Um, cause you can hook a bucket up to the, and the air force has those, uh, those water bombs. And they help and like evacuate people and yeah, the SAR techs or the SAR guys. Um, I think they set up medic tents and shit too. Yeah. yeah. Like, they're, like they're good at that. So why not use them? And, um, that's, 
they're protecting you against the um harm of you know natural disasters but at the same time like we can't imagine that happening in our world so we have to maintain it and i completely forgot where i was going with this <laughs> what was the initial argument that you made there i'm sorry um oh yeah sorry um so when so they're there for a reason we can use them for what they're good at but at the same time the whole point is to just let civilians go off doing civilian things and living their civilian lives because that's what we want people to do we want them to live go off and start businesses and start families without having to worry about you know um being enslaved or you know bug food or you know volcanoed or flooded or all this stuff and so you know there's that like there's that scene from uh you know a few good men where you know, so, you know there's a few good men on the wall who stand between you and disaster blah 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 and you don't need to know what they have to go through to protect you just make sure that you understand that the necessity of having them there now if you if you make those people citizens then that understanding comes into the forefront but the whole point isn't that like sorry pause rewind play um is that we've become very dependent like we, we we think of the state as something that can help us rather than that something that does our paperwork and uh like you the, he had a very different conception of you know who we're voting and what we're doing um to us in our society the government has become like uh very permanent fixture in our homes you know it's like oh we gotta worry about who's in charge blah, blah, blah. it's like no it doesn't matter who the prime minister is they're not the king they're chief clerk of the country and you need to treat them as such and you need to respect them but not too much um but the conception is that the government's something that's going to leave you alone unless it needs you um but doesn't the premise defeat itself? That's sort of what I'm getting at. Like the thing they're trying to fix that's barely even a problem, they create the same problem only worse by implementing this type of idealism. Like, right. for, for instance, um, if, if you're going to have a civilian, uh, civilian population and a citizen population, and the idea is to make sure everybody's free and equal in society, mm -hmm. uh, how do you square that circle? as number one and i'm not sa i'm saying that like rhetorically because obviously you can't so like um, the idea of democracy falls apart and then when you're talking about consolidation of power well let's just have a com you know only one percent of the population can vote or ten percent of the population can vote and only ten percent of the population can be running for office you've got right. this tiny tiny cohort of people who are capable of running for office and you're going to create the same problem as the the nepotism we already have, which we're trying to solve by having this system in place. And then yeah, you've you got an army that has to like risk its life. So now the only people successful in that type of environment might not be people who are well adapted to a pen and paper and drafting treaty agreements. So like well, all of these problems compound right. rather than get solved. So, so I don't really understand the purpose to it. One of the things I, I we're actually skirting around an argument that I thought we were going to get into, but honestly i like this one better uh is that um it doesn't really pan out to have service just be the military um now i kind of disagree with timeline on that point i'm kind of 
sitting more towards your end of the table because you can risk your lives in defense. So yeah, you know, if there's a wartime, you're going to get a lot more people. But what happens if you say are a police officer or a firefighter or um, a medical, you provide medical service or you provide, um, which makes sense in Canada, doesn't make any sense in the States. Um, if you have uh, universal health care, then it makes sense to that for medical service to actually be service. <clears throat> Wake up, so, America, get health care. Yeah. Everyone else did it. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to just have universal health care. You can keep all your old stuff. You know, rich people can do rich people things. Yeah, and you can just also have poor people health care. <laughs> yeah. Shocking. <laughs> yeah, but like, um, at the, so it makes sense to me to include other professions. Now, you know, the merchant marine, maybe not. Like, okay, but if you're providing a, a necessary service to society that, you know, you're giving back to society, then, because there's definitely one more than one way than you, that you can give back to society. So like, um, we've seen this in the last year, healthcare workers, um, who have been praised ad nauseum, honestly, I'm, I'm not a healthcare worker, but like. If someone praised me that much, I'd probably be like, okay, enough. <laughs> but um, I don't know. You have. But look how we re reward them, the healthcare workers, right? Before they even get a chance to take their first holiday after working a year of overtime, we just want to go out and party and get sick and fill up the hospitals again. Like, what kind of thanks is that to the healthcare workers? So, like, even today, we're just as ignorant about other people's well being as, you know, if we had some privileged status class yeah who gets i think we also go to the hospital a lot more than we need to uh even if it's like you know doctor's like yeah you've got that go see your clinic doctor get some antibiotics got in my emergency room to be fair <laughs> the clinic doctors are sending people to the hospitals yeah. myself included when i'm capable of walking myself to the doctor's office Pretty they will sure tell me to go to the hospital I'm pretty sure if I got COVID, I'd probably be like, I don't need to bother them with going to the hospital. I'd I'm sure everybody here. with a tube down their throat and on a ventilator said that too. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Suffocating That's, sucks. Trust me. I'm, <laughs> but off topic anyway. Yeah. Very off topic. Cause I, I take a different stance on that. Cause I, um, so I don't really want to argue that. Um, but the argument remains the same though. Like what kind of, um, so yeah. What kind of exact, so that's what I was kind of enumerating. So you get police officers, duh, firefighters, obviously, medical professionals, yeah, uh, soldiers, obviously, um, teachers, Coast Guard, Coast Guard separate in Canada. So yes, um, plus they're a scientific uh, place. Also, they're doing some stupid stuff right now. Uh, teachers, maybe because certain I'm teachers, maybe like university profs or something. No, university profs already get enough. I'm thinking no, somebody who's dedicated a lifetime towards teaching, not just somebody who's oh, yeah, teaching yeah. grade two. <laughs> but if you're dedicating a lifetime to teaching, you're probably not going to care about citizenship. Now, if you're working inner city school, more. yeah, yeah. But if you're working inner city schools, uh, you know, uh, then yeah, that guy. <laughs> what about a specialist uh, school though for rich people? <laughs> Well, Somebody's that's like the thing. Really, that's 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 civilian capitalism. That's that's different. So, but if you're 
in a government position to where you're not, you're raising the bottom up, then yeah, like me, I'm a tutor. That that's that's not good enough. I can't just go out and make my own citizenship. You have a master's degree. Why don't we have the smartest people voting to run the country? That to me would be insane not to do it. Knowing that yeah, the smartest I, people aren't allowed to vote, and only the people who went to service. Are master's to vote. degree doesn't really mean much anymore with the universities doing what they're doing and and people just uh, everyone just going to university like i'm unemployed and i'm so educated uh well i'm I'm employed i'm making money it's just like i have time to do this yeah but i got um, a high school education i don't think anybody would say i'm like outright dumb you know what i mean no. like i'm not saying mm-hmm. i'm a genius or anything but i'm definitely not dumb right so school right. doesn't say anything about total intelligence i get that but no. if you had to look at the entire country and say who are the smartest people generally it will be the group of people who all went to school and studied for years of their lives right right so i think so why wouldn't we want them voting though that's what i don't get like why cut them out of the voting system i think it's an easy spot to 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 jury rig like if i say oh i i teach kids and i have like four or five students they're like oh yeah here, here's your voting rights like mm, that was a little easy uh but if you put your you know, like it's it, i don't want to call what i'm doing the same as someone who's you know it's like taking knives away from kids in grade school like that person's a bit of a hero um and you know still actually tries to teach them uh but where but, do you draw the line then? Like, is a traffic cop the same as a corrections officer or a border patrol? Is that the same as somebody who's patrolling the Arctic? Like, I think rangers, border patrol, and uh, commissioners all probably would count, like ferrying criminals but around. Why them and not a university prof who studies and teaches civics? Like, that to me is crazy. Have the now vote and not the thing person. is, is that the university hasn't really endeared themselves lately as a bastion of responsibility and in addition um i'm gonna go back to heinlein is that the people teaching these civics are people that at one understand it because they've been working in it forever and they under they you know at a, after a long career it's someone who has gone through all of this nonsense and you know at the end you know in their retirement they teach civics and civics isn't something in the book that you have to pass. It's something everyone has to do. It's pass or fail, and then you can get a recommendation from your thing. But essentially, you have to um, earn that recommendation. And it's given by someone who, you know, a wise elder, essentially. I hate to use those, but like, you can't just have someone who's studied anthropology. Like, I'm, I'm an archivist. Like, I've studied a lot of stuff, but. Does that mean that just because I've got um, a piece of paper from a university that only has interest in printing pieces of paper for uh, way too high a price um, and passing people that don't deserve to pass, essentially handing out participation awards, I don't think that gives me the right. I worked for mine, but I don't know if that reasonably equals the fact that other people in their, my class had worked for theirs. So along like that guy, same line... Why does military service equate to a right to vote, but not like somebody who published 20 books? You know what I mean? Like, that's what I don't get. You're sort of saying there's only one way of earning this one thing. And that one thing of earning it has nothing to do with 
running a country. Mm-hmm. That to me is weird. It's like saying you have to kick the tire before you can learn to drive, but kicking a tire has nothing to do with driving. I think it's more like you have to at least get into car first. Um, if you, you have to live within the system and actually sacrifice into that system before you can, uh, in some way, before the, you can. The idea I'm of doing sacrifice this- doesn't actually lead to doing better at running the country, though. That's what I mean. They're completely disconnected. Killing people has nothing to do with keeping people alive. Well, planning for long-term growth of a country and doing economics and making trade agreements and right. But if these people who are running, who are going to do that anyways, have had experiences which force them to think about what they're going to do, they're less likely to invade a country willy-nilly. Or they're less likely, or they're probably going to be more likely to work trade deals than you know uh, that would benefit everyone involved. In it. I they're think gonna, they would be less likely though because they're not good at it. Well, no. So, like, you take a lawyer that's going to that wants to run for government and you know get Congress and blah 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 blah, and you force them to do two years, or you you make a stipulation of that instead of like being able to put forward you know, a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars of for the fee of running or something. Mm-hmm. And instead of that, you say prove it. Like anti up. Anti up some experience, anti up something else other than money. Or, you know, my dad signed for me or something like that. They're gonna be a lawyer anyways. Just make them go through a different gauntlet than um just paying for it or getting or buying the right uh this or that. Um so it's not something you're not making soldiers you're forcing citizens to act as soldiers for a period and if you don't want to you can go on with doing whatever life you're going to do anyways um but then they can't vote and the people who vote are the ones who choose to do the dumb thing (laughs) right but the thing is is that society like themselves to harm your vote isn't the only thing that guides society so you can you can have say you can go on the corner and talk to people you can you can lobby for this or that without actually voting like look how much other country well look not not just other countries but just look how every country influences every other country without the ability to vote but um, that would be worse it would be exacerbated if they only had to convince 20,000 people out of 20 million that would be worse with a smaller voting pool they would be dumping 20,000 30,000 at each voter because they would have the same amount of money, but a fewer number of people to target. So you'd make it less democratic. It would be more corrupt that way. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't. No, it would definitely be less democratic. It claims to solve. So the point of the um, gauntlet essentially is to produce better individuals. And that's not necessarily to mean that military services always produce better individuals, but. Eisenhower was a better president than Lyndon Johnson. Uh, so uh, Lyndon Johnson led us into a war. Uh, Eisenhower, who had led a war, um, kept the Americans out of them. Uh, although he did make a few, like he wasn't perfect. But the... Um, he did start like Medicare though and like teachers unions and stuff like LBJ. Yeah. LBJ uh, was he's better than a, most of the recent presidents. Oh, everyone after 
Well, everyone after JFK was kind of garbage, <laughs> but um, and uh, actually, half of them were actors, I think. <laughs> and the Kennedys themselves were a popularity. Yeah, but Lyndon B. Johnson's thing was the Great Society, where he was trying to do that, um, uh, do a bunch of those things, and he kind of failed because exactly he like built the he's kind of the guy that built up the uh vietnam war and just kept escalating and escalating and escalating it um and then not allowing his military to like hamstring oh yeah you get you get to fight this these communist bad guys but you're not allowed to go into cambodia you're not allowed to go in the north you're not allowed to use your air force properly oh and you're only allowed to do this and the soldiers are like Okay. <laughs> so you, the, I think what was, what Heinlein was trying to do was to create a vision of a, so you have, um, Plato essentially saying like, we need, um, philosopher kings. And this was 2,500 years ago or so. And, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a valiant effort in the Republic. Um, but I think the, the flaws are a little too obvious. And the question is, how do you make a philosopher king? And Heinlein's like, okay, we don't need a philosopher king. We just need everyone to, you know, anyone can become a philosopher. Now, how do you teach that philosopher to respect his decisions? And, you know, how do you get rich trust fund babies, uh, on the same footing as, um, you know, street bum who shows up to the recruitment thing and this was his attempt at that now it is flawed but i think there is some merit to discussing it now my i don't think i'm answering your question because i don't actually have an answer no that's but, fine it was more like I'm, I'm asking to help provoke the thought yeah think about my it illuminate and because like i don't understand conceptually like personally i actually don't get it i don't understand why this would be a better suggestion than saying you need a thousand hours on YouTube so people can quote you while they're running against you in politics. If you force yeah, exactly. people to have a podcast, then their right. words would be on record and their beliefs and their mannerisms and everybody else could like take snippets and cut it. You know, eventually you're going to let your inside show. So that to right. me would be a simpler, cheaper and better method than making well, people go through service for it. But I think there's a thousand other ways you could do it. Right. And having, but like, he does expect more of the soldiers in his book than we expect of the soldiers. Now, I've met soldiers. Uh, <laughs> they are the saltiest of the earth. Um, but they, but they are do soldiers. earn their vote. And I respect they that. Do. That much I and get. Like wanting people to actually earn their vote. But now, I think something more like high school um, diploma would be suffice. Because everybody has access to a high school diploma. Right. You have to work for it. And well, that's kind of the Plato side where you, you rely on education and we have that ability now, whereas back then it's just like you have an entire class of slaves, which you can't do anything with because it's a bad system. Yeah. And, and if somebody learns and gets their GED later in life, they can always get their vote later. So it's right. not like it's a, but now, at least then you wouldn't be constricting the voting pool down. Like you'd be, you're essentially alleviating democracy itself. By doing this. right, that that's now, why I think it's fascist. My thought, well, it's lack of democracy. It's not really democratic anymore. Oh, it's it's not. Well, that's the thing. It's not a democratic society, but yeah. it's not a fascist society either. Fascism is something very specific. Um, this 
society relies on very um like it relies on ideas of freedom but it restrains the democracy uh aspect of it um which Heinlein was positing hadn't worked now in other books he definitely is he swings around in a lot of his books um literally and figuratively but um he is placing it now your your idea of high school now the thing with me is that high school actually has to have some you know it has to be actually be challenging um i you accidentally have to be able got to fail <laughs> yeah and that's one of the things I think that's most key to this entire thing is that Heinlein's conception of it is that, you know, you can fail at being a soldier. You can just straight up suck at being a soldier and be like, you're just not going to make it. Uh, we're going to transfer you out of the infantry and put you on to desk duty or something. You're going to stamp stuff. Um, or, um, you know, you're going to be scrubbing bulkheads or something because you can't do this. But at the same time, like, and this is something that's definitely happening in our society. I'm seeing. And I, and I brought this up earlier is that, um, degrees are participation awards. Like my wife just went through an entire four year program or three year program while she's on her fourth year, which is a practicum, but nobody failed. Like nobody failed because they didn't cut up. And I was just like, why not? Like there were people there who are complaining. Oh, I can't do why are they giving us so much work? And you have, but at the same time, they're being, they're complaining every time, you know, a test is hard. They're complaining every time they don't get a thing and they, they're blaming the teacher for not understanding a concept instead of going home, studying it for six hours, staying up all night until you get it. And then, you know, you don't have to stay up other nights because now you get it. Put the work into school. And you won't get this, any disagreement from me there, but I think no, I'm not. I'm kind of ranting more than arguing. It sort of sways from the topic, though. I think so. Just yeah. So when you, if you want citizenship, you have to make it challenging. You have to. So I think the whole point is is that people need to prove that they are able to be trusted with a vote. Because, you know, you could be that guy who's just like, I'm going to vote for Trump because I like his hair. Or I'm going to vote for Hillary because she's a woman. Both of those are bad votes. Yeah. <laughs> like, or Obama because he's black. <laughs> yeah. It's like, honestly, I liked Obama because he was well-spoken. He seemed intelligent. And then I didn't like his policies. No, I didn't like his policies. policies. He was a good president. And he yeah. tried to be bipartisan, which is what you want from a president. But the Republicans took advantage of that. And he was too yeah. soft. So, and now the Republicans are dying. So, yeah, but that's also off topic. So the, the, now, now well, this the, conception, the way, it, the way it relates though, is you're getting a type of people in politics. And the whole point mm -hmm. of this was to not have that now. Yeah, that's exactly right. And when Heinlein was writing this, there was a, like the military was a lot bigger portion of society because of the second world war. Um, and it made sense in that context when like that many people are, um, engaged in the defense of a nation, it almost seemed like it would have made sense. Now, nowadays that does, now I do like this idea of like, you know, make high school difficult enough to that you have to actually prove yourself. No, somehow people have to prove their merit. Now, the biggest is two things with that. And these are kind of my last two points. Uh, one of them is a requirement 
The other one is a criticism. So the first one requirement is that we need civics classes, period. Even in Tadatesai, even if this doesn't happen, we could even do a class on why we need civics and what it would look like. Because if you ask yourself, how does the government work? Oh, well, I vote and I do this. Okay, no, no. How does the government, what's the mechanism by which your municipal government pays? How do they have a bank account? Where do they keep the treasury? Who does the pay? Do they pay by checks? Like, what is the actual mechanisms of the government that you are so blindly relying on? Learn those. And where do we learn those? Well, I don't know. You will learn them on the internet, I guess. You could talk to someone who works in government. You actually literally have to go out and do research to do that. Um, you could read all this, but like, what are the mechanisms? I don't know. I was thinking about this one day. It's like, how, if the government owes me a hundred bucks, what processes have to happen for me to actually get paid a hundred bucks? And I have no idea. I fail civics right there. F minus out the door, no vote. And that bugs me because I don't know how my government works. Like I can go talk to this and that and I can, and I can be given the spiel and I can, I can do my research, but I should know this by the time I graduate high school because I'm being given a vote by the time I am graduating high school. I don't know how my government works. Uh, like they try teaching you in grade nine in Canada, but they do a very piss poor job. And I think if we're going to have such reliance on our government, we need to understand the mechanism by which it functions. And we need to know it cold as a citizen. And that's my requirement. And uh, what that will look like, I think, is a topic for another uh, thing. But the other one is a criticism. And um, no matter what, you're going to be creating a two-tier system. And we would have to work really hard to not let that be a caste system because it's, you're instantly creating, um, those who can and those who can't. And you're, you're, you're putting a privilege on people, which we consider, right? But it is just a privilege on certain people. And you're claiming that they have gone through this. Now you don't have to. And I think the answer to this is to, take away any honor associated with that privilege. And I don't know how that would work. I think criticism of it as hard as possible all the time would probably do a good job. Uh, it would get annoying and be as frustrating as possible, but it's supposed to be frustrating. So that's my thought because I don't want to stratify society into a group along any line. Um, racial, uh, any form of privilege, um, you know, income disparity, uh, you know, certain jobs, um, like we, we, the caste systems have been, uh, shown not to work. Um, so we cannot fall into that. And I think that would have to be something we need to be vigilant for. Um, thoughts. <laughs> uh, I have probably too many for the time we have. <laughs> Yeah, I would probably have to do a whole separate show just because my philosophy, my my overview of the entire thing is different. Not, not specifically just details here and there. Like I disagree in premise that democracy should be um, squished. In my opinion, you should do the opposite. 
we should let people vote for three candidates instead of one and have the, the number Australian system order. kind of thing. Yeah. Like yeah. my idea of how things would work better is the exact opposite of this, where you encourage yeah. more people to vote on more things. Like So for, I, I do think that would be good. I also think that a system where we vote on um, uh, policies instead of people yeah. would work. Uh, but that's a, definitely another thing um, where um, a person represents a policy and if they don't put forth that policy or don't work towards that policy, well, they're not in that job anymore because they lied. That's why I'd like um, to see other- blockchain in politics because you can uh, hold people accountable to things like that using smart contracts through Ethereum. Right. If they're running on thing, they have to do that. <laughs> the other thing would be to... And like I said earlier, we need to gut the lobbying institution. Like, yes, people need to lobby because like you do need to somehow let the government know that there is an issue here. Gathering should be the currency, not the money. Like the number of people supporting this, like actively engaged in the support, that should be the currency and the weight. Right. But unfortunately, it's a spot where money talks. And I, I, I think capitalism should be left to the civilian world and the state should just do our paperwork. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's I think, me. I think there's a lot to fix though. Cause it's not just that it's not just the education system, but like we do need to earn our vote, but I don't mm-hmm. think there should be only one way to earn it. I think you should be able to, if you didn't graduate high school and high school is a requirement, then you can join military service and get it right. Or another should be volunteer hours. And those can be overseen by like a public, uh, well, that's a advocate good point. or something like that. So, so somebody who's just benevolent and has a good heart. I want that yeah. person as at the seat when they're doing trade agreements or peace yeah. negotiations. So that that's actually a good point. Volunteer. I think I had, I think I might've, but there's all kinds of them like daycare. No, daycare like workers, I, like people who take care of human beings should be responsible for saying, no, mm-hmm. we're not going to war over this. Yeah. Well, and I was working at the archives as a volunteer for a while there and mm-hmm. like, there's different kinds of volunteer. You don't have to just help the poor. You don't have to just be in a soup kitchen. Yeah. Like there's people that volunteer in clothing people. There's people that volunteer in, um, uh, what do you call that thing? Um, the job interview prep. There's people that volunteer haircuts. There's taxes. Pe- like, yeah. <laughs> My grandparents uh, help us seniors do their taxes. Yeah. There's stuff like and that. This is, uh, this is a bunch of stuff you can do, but I think, or if you the work concept, like 40 years full-time at any job, you should be competent enough and contributed enough to the society to vote no matter what. Like yeah. A number of hours well, worked productively contributing to the GDP of the country. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you're McDonald's or not, you should be able to vote. Like Stuff like that. There should be so many ways of getting it that nobody's excluded, but everybody has yeah. to try something. Yeah, you, you, have to, you have to put something in. You can't, and that's the thing, one of the things that this is this 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 mentality of you know i'm existing within this society i'm owed and the people that owe me are the government because some mental gymnastics i made up just now no 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 one I'm owes born you anything. here that's my entitlement yeah it's like no your entitlement is you get to live in canada yeah. there now do something you're with allowed that. to live here <laughs> put some work in like one of the things we need in our society is to make stuff. You know, thanks Elon Musk. That's a great f- quote. But like, what can you make that will make life better for people in Canada? Like, provide a business to people for people to work at. 
and like just be generally good and see that and once you see that your work benefits others you'll understand the gravity of what you're doing. And I think and I we think achieve Heinlein, that outcome by a different means more effectively. Yeah. By just removing well, think, finance from from um, politics, you're yeah. immediately going to get people who are sincere in their endeavors. Just yeah. because you take I money think, out of the equation, you won't get the wrong people chasing it. Yeah. To wrap up, I think Heinlein's book was a good read. Um, Thought-provoking for sure. It's thought provoking. It's exciting. Uh, you know, there's bug fights and, um, he, he, that wasn't the only idea he presented in the book. Other ideas were like literally just power armor and, you know, launching people from spaceships into war zones. Like he wasn't just, this wasn't the only idea in the book. Um, so it's not like a essay on, um, just one thing. He also talks on a lot of other topics. Otherwise, it's just a good book to read. Go read it and have a thought about it and, you know, talk about it in the comments. But at the same time, we have to take these ideas because people are talking about this right now in our society. So we need to take ideas like this seriously and actually think about what they mean. Because if, if people are going to be talking about ideas like service guarantee citizenship, well, we have to, we don't have it, but we need to know what that concept actually means. And we can't rely just on one um one fiction book written in the late 50s to as a guidepost for how this would work everybody's ideas should be discussed that's the only way that yeah. you'll you'll see all sides to it and make a wise decision in the out in, in the outcome is if you actually look at every every possible right. option so so even like Heinlein I would think would agree with this you know everything needs discussion everything needs a, to be given wisdom of thought in order to act and um the thing is is that it doesn't matter if you're a civilian or a citizen or whatever um put yourself to work everybody works everybody fights that's a sentiment that i can get behind no matter what because if you fight physically or theoretically maybe not uh or um verbally or politically, or even within your family for what is right and honest and just and true, then you are putting the work in. You know, what are you doing with your hands? What are you doing with your mind? I think that's um, something worthy to be taking away out of that, even if the political um, reality of the book is kind of hackneyed. So, I think that's all I've got. Um, if you think I missed something, let us know in the comments because I definitely missed some stuff. So, <laughs> well, it's only what two hours. We we don't really have weeks to discuss this in proper forum. No, um, and I think one of the things is that uh, this will probably lead into one of our other uh, things. I want to do a Remembrance Day episode because I do find I do think that's important because war sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. And veterans too. Yeah, they are cool guys. And uh, we need to not do that anymore. And we need to be reminded how much it sucks more than anything and else. And we need to support and care for the people who we forced to do it to. Yeah. So they, they clearly wouldn't have gone to war on their own volition. They went to war because somebody flipped a pen and somebody else yep. decided to attack somebody else. It was a they, form of necessity in Canada. We don't provoke wars. We just defend people. 
anymore. <laughs> yes. So yes. anyway, Canadian service men and women, thank you very much for your service. You've been watching Frivolous Gravitas. Like, share, and subscribe. Bye. Peace out.